0: Check out idealwine.com for more information. That's I D E A L W I N E.com to find what you'd like to be drinking. I'm Levy Dalton, and this is All Drink to That, where we get behind the scenes of the wine business. Pascaline Lapeltier on the show today, the sommelier at Midtown Manhattan's Rouge Tomate restaurant. Pascaline Lapeltier on the show today. Pascaline is the sommelier at Rouge Tomate restaurant in Midtown Manhattan. Hey Pascaline, how you doing?
1: Hey Devi, I'm doing great. Great to see you. I'm very, very happy to see you too.
0: So you're just back from France? Yeah. And you were competing in a, a what, a French sommelier competition?
1: Yes, I did. Yeah. So um, what do you call the best French sommelier competition.
0: Oh, okay. It's so, in English then. No, I'm yeah, just we kidding. can do <laughs>
1: that also in French, but I'm not sure everybody's going to yeah, understand no, what just I say. Around. <laughs> yeah. So how would it go? Um, it went pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. What's yeah. it like to be in a swimming competition? I guess I mean not a lot of people have done that.
1: Um, what it's like? Um, that's a good question. Um, it's a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of. Wow, what I am doing here? Yeah, and I've never asked myself this type of question about wine, and um, it's uh, it's also you know it's for me it's in France, so it's a little bit different. It's like coming back home too and do stuff that I did for, for a while when I was over there. So um,
0: because you yourself are French,
1: yeah, it tends to be French. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And uh, um, you know, so. Like, is there a difference being a sommelier in France today, and which you were for a bit in Brittany, and being a sommelier in New York? I mean, how does that play out?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, no, it's um, um, it's something that a lot of people ask me. Uh-huh, uh huh. Uh-huh. What's the difference between like selling wine in in France and selling wine in America? Um, and yeah, I think there is like a tremendous amount of differences. But I'm, you know, I just worked in New York, so my experience is quite limited regarding what you can do in the states.
0: Oh, I thought you worked for Auberge Le Breton. No,
1: yeah, but in the in the US, I just worked in New York, so you know what. Oh
0: wow, oh, I see, I see. I, um, okay, okay.
1: So like, I think New York is just a, a dream. Yeah. Okay. Sommelier.
0: So uh, you're saying you didn't work in like Milwaukee or
1: something? Yeah. I'm like, but I'm maybe thinking about moving. You know, Midwest and stuff. Yeah. Like really? That. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, kidding. <laughs> you're gonna have to call it red tomato out there when yeah, you move. I, I you, heard the rouge tomato thing is not gonna fly.
1: Oof, yeah. No. It's uh, no New York. New York. New York is a dream. So you know when when yours some year is like. You have i think one of the most amazing clientele you can dream mm, about mm. um demanding curious, excited, and which is like in France a little bit different, like like something for a restaurant, I think you still have this incredible luck of having a huge tradition, but at one point the tradition is a little bit of a of a weakness too because it doesn't allow you to to be a little bit more. Open, casual, curious to try new things. So, yeah, it's, it's it's totally different for me, and I have much more fun here. I would uh, say.
0: Are there more wines that aren't French on uh, the American list, or?
1: Yeah, like you know, we we when I left France, it was still like I left France to start to work in Brussels. So mm-hmm. just going to Belgium was a huge kind of feeling of freedom, just because Belgium makes a little bit of wine, as you may know, as you may have tasted. You need to taste some Belgian wine. But they have to import. So the market is very, very open. Um, so uh, just being able to buy Italian and Switzerland and German and so on and so on, which was very complicated still in Paris. and I don't even speak about Brittany. Was, uh was super excited. In Paris, right now it's a little bit better. You can really start to find... Couple of very very good Italian producer, but don't ask too much. Still, and it's it's still a very hard sell. Like between Burgundy and Barolo, I can tell you nine guests out of ten are gonna say Burgundy, and one's gonna say, "Yeah, maybe next time I'm gonna get Barolo." So it's a bit of a problem now. Still,
0: but I mean, it must be nicer to be closer to Burgundy. In France.
1: Yeah. No, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge, uh, something that is kind of painful for me being here, maybe. Is just, that true? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just, I really do this job because I love winemakers. Mm-hmm. I, I love growers. I know you came back from Italy and you know how it is to just like walk by the vine and, and, and being able just to, to, to yes, yeah, to feel it, to taste it and everything. So here it's a little bit of disconnection. And yes, being in, in France, you just take your car, you spend your weekend in, in Sanceres, the weekend after you're in Burgundy, and spend two days in Southwest, Southwest. And this is priceless, especially when you really like wine, when you really drink wine. It makes do, a huge difference.
0: Do you think that this connection you're speaking about has shaped a different culture here than you might find in other areas that have a local winemaking tradition?
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't... Um you know, it's it's also a question of personality because you can be in Paris and live in Paris and be a son in Paris and just go twice a year in Burgundy and not being curious to go elsewhere, you know. So yes, it's in New York we still have some wine growing region and you can still be in touch with with like going to finger Lakes, just that to see the vine grows and everything is still absolutely incredible. But after it's really a real question of how you want to take your job. And you just want to be a buyer and a seller, and like dealing with your costs? Or do you want free really to get into wine? And so this way you have to travel and you have to, yeah, take some time off to spend some dirty hours in the vineyard. Oh, well, I wouldn't say it's, a, it's not that a cultural thing. It's a more personal approach of what you want to do.
0: Let me ask you, has that always been the approach of French sommeliers, that they were out in the vineyards, or is that a fairly new thing in, in France? Was, it, was there more of a divide from people working in the Paris sommelier circuit in the past, or has that always been the way?
1: Um, I think for, for a while, you know, in France, for a long time, let's say you were in Bordeaux, you were drinking Bordeaux, mm-hmm. and uh you may have to travel a little while, but like everything was around you so it's uh it's something that for me it's pretty brand new to really travel around the generation before me and my generation for sure um and the great family travel you know like it's it's the only way to understand um but this approach of like reading and going abroad and spending time and it's it's yes yeah, the two are so it's the last generation, my generation. It's just something kind of new, I would say.
0: One of the things that I think you're associated with in the, the New York scene is uh, more of a approach towards natural wines, as they're often called. Uh, how did that start, and what is what does that mean for you?
1: Yeah, it's not natural wine or, um, what can I say, like no less interventionist type of wine. Oh, it was very simple, so I... I, I, I I grew up in Angers, and I learned that I wanted to be in wine, being in Angers. So Angers is in the Loire. It's it's a it's a very beautiful area. It's it's a very uh, I would say approachable winemaking region. And um, I was extremely lucky at the time to have a, a mentor, a, a my teacher, that I still really like. Every single sort of thing is the best professional I ever met in my life. His name was Patrick Rigour. And um, during my, my only year when I was studying wine, I, I was lucky to, uh, to, be, to, to do two things. I was in a two star Michelin restaurant, super classic, beautiful, classic list, vertical of everything you could dream about from Petrus, Yersi, DRC, old, old stuff, nothing on the list. Uh, that was not at least 10 years old, like this type of like beautiful classic list. So I was working three weeks per month in this restaurant. And the week I was in school, I was with Patrick, and Patrick was the one that told me, you know, mine is made in the vineyard, so let's go to the vineyard. And happens to be very close to all the uh, biodynamic, organic, natural guy in the vineyard. So my very first moment in the vineyard was with this guy, working their soil, not, Using any synthetics products um, and making wine this way. My first harvest was with Domaine de Griotte, which is a kind of an iconic natural wine one uh, team in 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 the Loire that um, is like no more working together now. And and so I right away I didn't even thought it could be something so trendy and so uh, today it's, it's a it's a very questionable issue, but it was the way they were making wine and the wine was awesome. And so them and other guys and Joe Piton and Rene Moss and all the, they were all doing wine this way. So it's the way I understood wine could be made and trying also some, um, I remember speaking with Pat Desgriottes, um, was one of the guy from Domaine Desgriottes and we tried in 1959 from um, the winemaker, he got got, uh, one of his vineyards from. And this 1959 Chardonnay Blanc was made with no sulfites and I was like, "Yeah, it's awesome," and was one was incredible, and I didn't even think about sulfite could be an issue. <laughs> and so I learned this way, and I drank this way, and it just makes sense right away.
0: Was it uh, a little bit more of a an issue in the states for you when you moved from Brussels to to here to work at a, a wine list? Was it a little bit more of a a conversation you had to have with people?
1: Yeah, a little bit more, just because Brussels is also very open-minded and like the, the natural wines, you know, like the organic wines is pretty advanced in 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 Belgium. You 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 have very good core of great drinkers and great shops and stuff like that. Um, I, I would say here I I arrived in a, in in a, in a city that I have no clue about uh, in an area that I like a Paris side which no clue about. So uh, yeah, it took a little bit more time. It took at least a year and a half before I really started to feel comfortable here and moving on to the, the list and also the challenge. You know, we were opening a new restaurant. Uh, a lot of um, things needs to be t- to worked at the very beginning. And I, I need to understand who I was talking to and also it takes some time with education, with the staff um, to open them to this type of wine it's not something evident it's what i realized what is evident for me was not evident for everybody so
0: so what were good ways of, of broaching that conversation that you found what are ways that uh make sense for you to talk about those wines with people who've maybe never encountered them before
1: um yeah, you know, you have a bunch of ways, you know, depending on your guests, depending on the people you are talking to. You can go with a very intellectual way, you know, and you make comparison and metaphor and like, oh, you're drinking that. Like just the the, the the classic comparison with the orange juice is an easy one, you know, when you have the, you're you, with this type of wine, you basically you have your raw orange juice and you're not l- drinking something that you have no clue about. And then you start to speak about what you can do for, wine making and so on and so on. So a very intellectual approach. But I, I really think uh, now the the best way I, I want to do it is to start by tasting. You know, you just start to drink. You you understand what the guests like. Uh, I always have, have a lot of wine open and you just start to pour something. Um, and yes, yeah, it's going to be a little bit different. But this is, this is my job, is to understand how far I can go with who. And little by little, you give something that they never heard of, they like it, start to, wow, this is interesting. I really like that. I never thought we can do that. And, and the next time, and the next time, and the next time. And just, you know, it's bringing um, a little bit of question, a little bit of curiosity. So
0: is developing a regular clientele kind of important for that relationship? Then people will come back
1: more than once. Yeah, but I think it's what you want to do if you really are in a restaurant business. You, know, mm-hmm. you want to take care of people. You want the people to come back. You want to host them. You want to, it's almost your home, the restaurant. Like when I have my regulars coming, it's awesome. You know, it's there. Yeah, they come to see you and come to the restaurant. They are feeling like family. It's, it's what you want to do, I think, in restaurants. You don't want to do a one shot. Unless, for me, you don't understand what restaurant is restaurant all about. You, you, want, you want something to, to give somebody an, a unique experience for food and service.
0: But but I mean, uh, this being Manhattan, sometimes people are visiting from other places and some places kind of specialize in people who are tourists coming to visit and then not coming back necessarily anytime soon because they don't live here. But you see the, the restaurant you work in as maybe something that appeals more to the people who live here?
1: Uh, we have a lot of tourists. You know, it's very funny because we have um, tourists like I have tourists from Great Britain and every mm-hmm, time they're mm-hmm. in town, it's maybe once a year they're coming back to the restaurants which is awesome, um, and it's very funny because I keep uh, some uh, kind of relationship with really like the guests, like some Australia, for example, come once and got my cards and emails and they're sending me regularly some emails about what they drink. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is what I think is all about. Yeah, you, you, can, you can have the guests and say, okay, it's just gonna be here for once, but I don't think the right way to think about this type of people because you never know how Restaurant is magical for that, you know. You mm-hmm. never know how in a couple of hours you can re-meet somebody. And especially through wines, because it's what I do, but it's it's absolutely incredible. It's why I do this job. You
0: know, and so. how uh, long has that Rouge Tomate been there and how long has it been open?
1: Um, so we it's gonna, it's gonna be our fourth year. Uh-huh. So we opened in October 2008 here in New York and the Rouge Tomat in Brussels is uh, 12 years old now, so. Um, it's a uh, it's a long concept that the owner developed so since quite a time now about the about this system, this possibility to combine nutrition and gastronomy and to bring into to 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 the scene to the to the to the food scene. So um, yeah, the, the restaurant in Brussels yes is twelve years old now. Four years for us, like times flies in New York. <laughs> it's insane um, and. Yeah, it's 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 a great project. It's it's a really great project. It's uh, you know when you. I'm very proud to work for them because they really meet a lot of what I think and a lot of values that I want to share in terms of. Yeah, you can. Really think about tomorrow. You can have very like strong, almost philosophical, metaphysical value about about how to preserve the planet and how to being sustainable and how to work with uh, with some social concern and like farm to table and certain stuff. Like all these type of questions are really brought to this place and and we are making a business out of it, but a means business at work. So we are showing that it's possible to think in a different way and to provide something in a different way to guests and to make it happen. So um, yeah, I'm extremely proud to work for them.
0: And how has the wine list developed and changed over the four years that you've been
1: there? <laughs> There's more wine now. There is much more wine. Um, it's
0: gotten a little bigger on the list?
1: A little bit, yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, I arrived in New York. I was f- this little French girl, uh, sommelier-like, you know, um, doing pretty okay in France. I got here. I was like, pff, I was matched. like, <laughs> God! After a month, I understood and didn't know anything about wine, uh, especially wine from the world. So the, the list at the very beginning was a very safe type of list, and then I met people, met you, I met. Sorry
0: about that.
1: I keep. Following. Yeah, like I, I, like you, you know, you almost changed my life.
0: Ah, well, uh, let's not talk too much about the, uh, you know, the parking now. tickets. Oh God! No. I would
1: love to. Um, yeah, and so the wine list moved from something very safe. I would say and things that I knew to um to uh something much more um I would say precise.
0: Uh-huh. Precise. What is that? How does that play out? What's um
1: the... I want like I realize that uh it's something that I really did a little bit before, but I really wanted this list to everyone with a meaning in uh-huh. it. You know. Um as a buyer, I have so much, it's it's just for me, it's it's awesome. Right now, buying wine in New York, it's incredible. You can have almost everything you want if you can't pay for it, but you can have everything you want. And uh, I realized that the wine is I wanted to put together. I wanted to, every wine for me should be here for a reason because they were telling something about a place, about a grape, about the style of winemaker. So I started to be a little bit more, I was, yeah, precise, of course. Let's say, let's take the Loire. Um, Started with 10 10 white wines from the Loire. Now we are much more and much more in the bags that are not on the list. But I wanted to express all the diversity of the region, vintage-wise and grower-wise. You don't need to have 2,000, but you need to have the people you are believing and doing something unique about Chenin Blanc, for example. So I, I grow the list like that, um, trying, read to, uh, and trying to and uh, trying to be accessible for everybody um, in terms of range, of selection, and in terms of price point. Um, so if you are somebody that doesn't know anything about wine, if you come to the restaurant, we'll find something for you that you can feel comfortable with. Uh, if you are a geeky person like I am, I hope I will have something for you on the list. If you love classic coin with a bit of age, I hope I will have something for you on the list. Uh if you are don't want to spend more than sixty bucks and want really to have an amazing stuff, I will have something for you on the list, you know. And this is the way I, I decided to increase it and to build it. Um and also, I'm looking out to because I can select what I want. Uh, I I have this idea of being a bit of a spokesperson for the winemaker. Um,
0: An ambassador yeah. that's here at the table.
1: For yeah, here at the table. The guy at the yeah. cellar
0: who can't speak to that person. Yeah,
1: and this is super important for me. Uh, they gave me so much, all these guys. I, they gave me so much. I remember the first time I was with Pierre Breton. Like for example, or Jean Piton, I didn't know anything about wine, you know. And they took time. They they took more than time. They 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 gave me so much. And now I can be here and I can speak about what they do and what makes their work different from all the rest. And this is this is yeah, this is where I am right now. And what
0: are regions that really speak to you? I know you have a connection with the Loire, uh, you know, in your own personal history and and some of the first venues you've visited. Are there other areas of the world that you're especially interested in at the moment?
1: Like, I'm I'm still so, like I'm still discovering so much, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, just even in France, like I was back from Provence, Uh, spent a couple of time, like a couple of days in Provence, which is a region that I thought I knew a little bit. No, I didn't know it. so. Um, I would say most of the European regions still are for me a, a place to discover. Um, I I have so much work to do still, so much wine to taste. It's <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm still feel like I don't I don't know anything. But yes, for sure, uh, like the Loire, like is still a place that needs to be speaking out for. um Italy, that I, I dream to visit in depth uh, soon. Um, Austria, Germany, ever, like I would say, really everywhere. But I still have this attraction for Europe. Um, I would like to uh, get the same type of feeling for what they call the New World, and I still don't have it. I got great, beautiful emotion with very rare bottle of wine. Um, I would like to go and visit, but my 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 thirst right now is still for Europe. Um so much stuff to 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 taste and understand
0: so sometimes I hear these days uh about uh, challenges or uh, industry uh handicaps for women in the industry. Do you think that there are uh handicaps that you faced being a woman in a predominantly male business either here or in France, or how did that work for you?
1: Uh, it's I think this i had I've been asked this question after my first day in the restaurant so um I have been maybe lucky but I've never felt really that being a problem for me at any moment um, nor in France nor here um, i as I, at my first job, my chef, make me understood that I need to lift the cases, and uh, I need to be efficient, and I need to be to put my shit together. So it's what I did, and everything went well. The only, only I would say, is the only problem that you may face is not with sommelier, it's not with winemaker, it's not with wine professional. Uh, it's more with guests. Um, you arrive, you see I'm like I don't know, like I'm, I'm sh- small and tiny. Uh, I hope I still look young. Um, so when you go to a table and you have a, a table with with men with a little bit of experience, like they yes, this is the only problem sometimes. But then you you uh, it's no uh, it's no uh, a game for me how fast I can <laughs> I can make them understood that. No, I, I I know a little bit about wine, but I. Um, I, I, f- I felt like I, it's never been a problem for me being a woman in this industry. And especially in the US, like we are so many girls now here. It's insane. Uh, less, less women in France, but the stuff are changing too. But in, in New York, it's, it's awesome. Like um, I would say like half of the people I know in this business, more than half are women. So, and with great position and they, I think all they're all extremely respected And nobody's like, you're all, you're a girl. So things are changing a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So you came to New York uh, from France via Belgium. You were a little bit of an outsider in the beginning. You didn't know where things were, how the neighborhoods worked or who sold what. What were some of the influences or things that happened that really made you feel more comfortable working in New York?
1: Well, um, this is a very good question. Um, yeah, it's true. When I arrived, so, so somebody was here, like I worked with um, um, a gentleman called Ren Love Lampariero. He was uh, the beverage director, uh, like the bar manager at Rouge. So Ren uh, worked for years in New York and he knew a lot of people already. So he was kind of helping me and mentoring me a little bit at the beginning at the restaurant even um, though his job was ready to work on the bar program and um, but I was lucky to uh, to know to know one or two very important people in my life like I, I the very first time I, I came to New York I already met before uh, in Paris somebody that was and is still huge in my professional career which is Alice Faring oh, so, okay. Uh, I, I met Alice, well, in 2000 and, oof, well, not, 2008 in Paris by Chance Frew, uh Pat Degriotte and uh, Julien Courtois for a tasting, uh, for uh, a natural wine tasting where I've been asked to uh, be a sommelier.
0: Which is something she specializes in as well. Yeah.
1: So she was here in Paris. Uh, the guy wanted her to taste some wine and... And something happened like we we kind of you know it was not very long, but good feeling, you know, and the week after or two weeks after was um we we're in Bordeaux for the expo, and we we're at the off of Renaissance, and I was here with my mentor and tasting wine and whoa, Alice, wow, and we started to speak a little bit, and she introduced me to to Dresner. oh okay, so uh, we started to speak a touch and say, "Yeah, I'm gonna maybe come to New York." And she said, "Oh, like give me a call." And my the two first uh, per, like people I I, I saw in New York during my very first trip was Alice and Jenny Levcourt that I met a couple of days also before in Paris. So uh, within the 48 hours, I I was already feeling almost at home thanks to these two two incredible women because I really think they. Both of of them are doing some incredible stuff for the wine scene in New York, um, and we get along super well, and we became friends. So when I moved uh, for sure in New York, uh, I was already more or less aware of what was happening, and I, even though the least at that time, be, I was I was asked to make something, as I told you, safe and and not too to borderline and something that every like not not too in, not too geeky I would say uh, I knew a a bit where I was going I knew which which winemaker I wanted to work with uh, I knew the winemaker and for the winemaker I knew who was the distributor and I realized okay at the end there is not a billion of them and this is a if these guys are importing and distributing these winemakers I'm sure the quality of the portfolio is here and this is a way started meds, so kind of uh, my, my very first meeting with Joe in, in New York was very very intense very did, funny.
0: <laughs> did he like throw you out of a tasting or something like that? Uh,
1: no he was uh I think uh, I think some of his winemaker talk to him about me oh, okay. <laughs> so I was a little bit introduced uh, he, he, he didn't uh, yeah I think he didn't take me seriously for the first year and a half or two and and one day a Saturday lunch he came to eat and was like how oh, something is happening right now. I have to restaurants in this restaurant, my restaurant and it's happening. And oh, my God, wow. Uh, no, he was a little bit uh, suspicious, I would say, at the beginning. And then he realized that no, it was kind of a serious project. Um, yes. Um, but this, this, the fact that uh, the people I knew, especially from the Loire and from Burgundy and um, a little bit from, uh, from, from the Southwest recommending me to their, to their distributor really helped me. To get into pretty fast, and I, I knew what I wanted. You know, when I started to taste wine, my first like meeting with rep. You know, they bought you a bunch of stuff, uh, and I think I because I, at least for the French section, I was a little bit less like, not as confident with all the other one, but I I knew where I wanted to go, and so, um, I I was able to tell them, and I was able also to tell them in um, in a very I would say I wouldn't say technical is not the I I because I spent so much time with winemaker and some monologue too in France and I was very curious about like more technical aspect and very like um like yeah technical aspect of the wine. I when I tested wine, when I test wine, I can be very um, not only in the intuition and, and the poetry, but like okay, this is why I like this wine, this is why I don't like this wine, so because I think this type of winemaking is not what I'm looking for, and so on and so on. And so some reps were like, wow, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I said, I don't want to taste, oh, I want to taste that, yes, for my personal curiosity, but this is not what I want. This is what I want, this is where I want to go. And that was very helpful
0: right away do you think that setting a a clear focus like that helps you not only buy but helps customers understand where you're coming from once you develop a reputation for a certain style of wine
1: Mm, yeah i'm sure um yeah i you know i i we i was talking to you about precision i think this is where i want to go now you know more and more precise and especially in it's the same thing with the way I test and the way I explain the thing to the guests. Um, uh, so many times you, wine is is lost, everything, like the way you speak about it, the way, is a kind of a pretty big mist, you know, and I think it doesn't deserve the product. And my big, big uh, motivation right now, it's to, to get better, uh, describing understanding and give it back in a very precise way
0: so, so what does that mean
1: what does that mean
0: like what would be an example of that
1: mm. uh, how can i explain that i have i have a there is one There is one, one sommeliers that i really admire in okay. terms of uh, his ability to taste and his ability to be linked to the terroir and the ability to speak to people. And his name is Olivier Poussier. He has been best sommelier in the world. He's French. Um, he's an incredible tester. Okay. And a very respectful tester. And travel a lot. He's, he's very, like, he has this ability to perfectly, perfectly for me, Give you whoever you are to adapt his his way of speaking about wine to give you in just a couple of words what the wine is all about. Okay, Uh, and you know why he likes, you know why he doesn't like, he he is able to explain it to you in a boom, 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 it's here. And um, I want to to work towards that. This is
0: so, are is that. Picking out certain flavors, or is that like picking out more of a structural character or style? Yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's about it's about everything. It's about understanding flavor, structure, texture, uh, winemaking techniques, growing the minority, understanding why this one is aging this way, um, and just to put it back in in such a, almost an haiku way. Okay. This is so. This is uh, this is all I'm gonna my aim right now, you know, to get all this knowledge because at the end, what we do, we spend our time drinking wine, tasting wine, reading about wine, traveling. And we have this, this huge amount and, and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. more I'm going to test wine. And, but at the end, just to give the perfect, no, perfect is very, very, very pretentious just to give all, all this incredible amount of stuff we, try to squeeze in her head and just to give and to get what is essential.
0: How do you know when to take someone on a trip? Like, how do you know when to be more of an ambassador for a winery that these people haven't heard of or when to play to the tastes that they already have? How do you know how to bring certain people along and not others?
1: It's, Ah, it's an intuition, you uh-huh. know. You, you know it very fast. I'm sure you know that. I'm sure you, you have this experience. And with it, two seconds, the way they say hi, the two, the, 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 the questions, the way they are going to ask you a question, uh, the way they are going to feel confident or not. Um, and especially with my list, you know. At Rouge, there is very, there is a lot of, like I would say maybe 80% of the time people are like oh, we don't know anyone on this list does that happen <laughs> yeah. yeah There is, there is certain names that are uh, of course certain region. you know there is region. we have we have this Sancerre Chablis Champagne all that stuff people know um, but uh, producer wise there is a very few of them that are extremely mainstream and, and recognizable by a lot of, of, of guests so just by the list, people are like, "Wahoo, where I am!" And um, um, so you feel it very fast. You feel it very fast, and this is the experience of a, of somalian having to to work with an, in an hospitality business. You need to get right away. Um, is it a date? And he wants to impress his girlfriend the first time. Uh, are they just here to enjoy the food and their foodies? Mm, like of course it's a traditional business dinner but maybe among them there is one of them that is very into wine and and it's right away and you can start the conversation and then you adapt but you arrive you come at the restaurant you want to drink your Malbec from Argentina we are going to give you I'm gonna give you the Malbec of Argentina. You are gonna smile about, and you are gonna be so happy with. Oh, it's what I hope to do. Maybe I, I, I'm sure I fail a lot, but this is what I try to do. Um, and um, this is um, this is a way to be able to to give more than just a bottle of wine. It's to give to be the spokesperson to to bring a little bit of something else, and to read make every guest a, s- a single individual you are really going to listen to and take care of.
0: If you gave some people some advice in terms of how to learn more about some of the wines that they are less familiar with, how should they go about that? I mean, what are good ways to start approaching subjects like wines from the Loire Valley or natural wines? How How might those flavors be different? And what are people needing to know before they go into tasting them if they do need to know something.
1: The, I, yes, knowing maybe they're gonna taste flavors they're not used to taste anymore, but you just say, you know, it's like your food, you know, not sure you eat kale when you were two and now you're eating kale. So bitter is part of your of your world. Just think that when the same thing is not only sweet and spice, there is much more going on and, and you are going to find certain flavors and textures that you like and some that you don't like. So you have a wine key, so use it. Yes, you want to discover it. New York is just full of absolutely incredible wine shop, wine professional, wine bar um, with people that more than happy to (laughs) open your doors. So maybe instead of Tomorrow, when you are going to want to buy a bottle of wine for home, and just grab the first one of in your supermarket, and I don't know, I don't go to the supermarket, I go to your wine shop and say, you know, I want to spend twelve bucks, uh, fifteen bucks. I really like this type of wine. Yesterday, I don't remember the name, but do you have something close? And uh, and you open the you open it. I really think you 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 um, the same way you build your 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 movie culture or of book culture or literature, yes, you're going to start with something that is going to be easy and simple. And one day you're going to be a little bit curious and you're going to watch an avant-garde movie like it was, could be very, very disturbing. You're not going to like it, but at least you open the door and you start to be curious. Same thing with wine.
0: One of the things that you talked about was building a bigger list. Although in Manhattan, often I noticed that a lot of the lists seem to be getting smaller. Um, is there an advantage to building a bigger list now that some of these other lists are are missing out on? Is it part of the customer service to be able to offer people a broader selection, or what are the real benefits for you?
1: Yeah, I would say it's for it's for the customer. It's for me. It's for the restaurant. We are a pretty big restaurant too, um, so we are moving. We are moving a lot of wine. So. Uh, um, like what, what happened is instead of having two cases of one reference, now I have two bottles of 12 references. So it's just becoming a, a very easy... The list starts to be a little bit then like difficult to manage sometimes. But uh, yeah, and to make to to, to create... So, like to be able... There is so much one I want to work with. There mm-hmm. is so much one I want to talk about. There is so much one I want to try. So by, by having a, a bigger list, but with more references, but volume-wise with less 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 bottle per reference um we it just really being able for me to improve and to re, like find the right one for the for the guests uh and um this is extremely exciting you know really having something that is alive it's changing changing all the time looking moving tasting going back going and so yes yeah, the list is getting bigger it will never be uh a two books type of list. Uh, I am not in for building vertical, it's not really what I, I'm into. I work with this type of list. Uh, yes, it's awesome to learn, it's awesome for a certain type of crab, but like, let's say I want to, I like Jura, like, it's not like I'm not the only one, um, but there is so many good producers in Jura, so let's work with this guy now, and then I'm going to move to another one, and then to another one, and up oh, and keeping. To- so um, yeah, it's uh, the list now as I think as its limits because you can keep on buying, but at one point you you miss a point which is uh, again the precision. You know you can build so if you have the money, you can build the biggest list you want, but you are missing. I think at that point uh, what I, I I wanted to do, which is really a message and really. Try not to have twice the same wine on this, or twice something very close, because for me it doesn't make sense. I will do one, and I will do another after. Have, yeah.
0: One of the things that kind of changed in the last, say, 30 years in, in America was that fine dining went from more of a steakhouse focus to French, to Italian, to What you see now, uh, which is less of a protein cuisine in a restaurant like yours, where you don't see a lot of big proteins, you don't see a lot of meat, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of vegetables, a lot of uh, lightly touched fish in that cuisine. How uh, would you recommend someone go about pairing that kind of food? What are things that really you look for in wines that you want to serve with that cuisine?
1: Yeah, like with the food at Rouge, it's a very pure food. Um, to of the nutritional concept, we are not using any cream or butter nor savory dishes. We don't fry, we don't grill. Uh, we try, we, everything is fresh. Uh, we try to preserve all the nutrients. Uh, which means that my chef, Jeremy Beerman, needs to do an incredible work to, with the best product, to, to magnify their flavors and the combination. So a lot of, um, A lot of acidity, a touch of sweetness, not too much, not a lot of salt, more spices. So it's a very uh, almost pointy type of food with just a couple of flavors that are put together, which means that for me, I need to work with wine that are a little bit more subtle. Oh, okay. Uh, It's not going to be the big, huge, boom-in-your-face type of wine. Wine with more acidity, one with more bitterness, wine with a moderate... Amount of alcohol, one uh, with a, a great work on tannin. So at the end, you are, you are going to one with more subtleties, which is linked to, I think, a lot of organic and biodynamic and less interventionist type of wine are. They are more subtle. There is much more things going on in terms of flavors and in texture. Um, and they are very interesting to work with for that reason. There is not only Alcohol, a certain aspect of sweetness, and for the red, some tannin. There is savory, saltiness, bitterness, different type of acidity, malic, citric, lactic, volatile acidity. You have all that stuff going on. Some touch of oxidation, too, that can be very interesting to work with. Um, And this is how I I try to work with my wine. Yeah. Um, The challenge is how to work with the red. Of course, everybody wants to drink red. Um, wants to, and they just know that, most of them, I guess, know Pinot Noir is light, but there is a bunch of other lighter style of red wine that you can work with. Other grapes, other region, work with your age also. So I'm trying to get older, older type of wine because you can really make great pairing with. And so he, he forced me to think about new direction in terms of what I can offer. Of course, I have the big, big guys and I have nothing in big guys when they're absolutely balanced. But the balance is the key.
0: <laughs> Do you ever think about going back to France and working there? Or is the, the pool of New York very, very strong?
1: Like right now I I I'm just so happy to be to be in New York. Mm-hmm. Um I'm lucky to, to to travel back quite often to France. Uh right now the, the French scene um, is moving Paris is moving but there is nothing comparable to New York you know I feel incredibly lucky to be here uh there is such an energy and emulation and economically let's let's face it like New York is is doing is doing okay more than okay regarding what's going on in Europe so um I have so much to learn still here um and yeah, there is all this exaltation. Like you are in Paris right now. Um there is not that many even sommelier position. What's going on mm-hmm. is not at all the same. Here almost every restaurant now is sommelier Um in Paris is much more difficult. In Europe is a little bit more difficult too. Um yeah, no, Europe I, I, I really miss friends. i I miss friends for wine wise because I, I I would love to be much more in the vineyard. Yeah, yeah. this is this is huge for me, and I'm really missing that. But New York, it's uh, it's a blessing it to be some here.
0: Have you found uh, in the time that you've been here domestic wines that hold the same level of interest as some of the wines that you have historically found from Europe, or is that you mentioned that it was still an area of kind of exploration for you? Have there been wines that really lit you up? Yes,
1: uh, yes, and no. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like what's going on right now? Um, I, I arrived uh, and I've been told the benchmark are uh, Joseph Phelps and Peter Michael and uh, Colgan. And it was true at that time. I really remember my, my first month was people were asking for. And I'm um, here on this since like three years and a half. And I saw so switch uh just at the restaurant, we you know an upper said guests, Like, yes, yeah, they are still drinking some Cabernet and some Chard from from Napa, but the switch is definitely happening. Uh, like fresher wine, less alcohol, less oak. They are asking me that. So you see, like I, I saw from almost being impossible to find natural or uh, low-intervention type of wine. F- Three years ago, now it's an explosion. There is a lot of things going on. You have great winemakers in, in in California really trying to do things that are uh, more in, in in what I'm looking for in Europe. And it's very, 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 very interesting. Like La Clarine and Clausson and all this guy, Arnold Roberts and all the movement too with Lyoko, all this guy trying to do like lower alcohol, like cooler climate, low... low. So there is a lot of things going on. I'm still looking for the wines that for me would be the mind-blowing wine. There is a lot of very, very good wines that I really enjoy to drink. But you know, this type of wine when you are like just sitting and you are smelling your glass and you are just like, wow, <laughs> like this is this is incredible. It doesn't need to be a DRC from, I don't know which vintage, but there is, I have much more that type of experience in Europe, in France, in Italy, in Germany, that I had in, in the States. And I'm still looking for that type of wine. And all the experience where I was, wow, this wine from the U.S. are incredible. We are wine from the 70s mm-hmm. and the 80s. Um, some wine from the RE Vineyard, like 76, 70, all, all the 70s. I was, I was... I was really like, this is what wine is able to do. Some Stony Hill from the 70s to from some Diamond Creek from that set period of time. Lucky, yes, I had the wow. With more recent thing? not yet. Not yet, unfortunately. And I'm dreaming to find them. Like, really like, lately, one of the wines I was, I really thought was very, very amazing was one of the one from the Finger Legs. Mm. Oh, okay. From um, Herman Wimmer, the, it's 2009 Magdalena. And um, I like it, was like, hmm, <laughs> yes, there is there is something here. But uh, I'm it's the way I'm looking. I really want that. I really want um, to find with this new generation of winemakers this, this feeling of, of wow, well, the wine is unbelievable.
0: So now you've settled into New York a little bit. Uh, your restaurant's in uh, right off Fifth Avenue and basically the the Upper East Side. What's that neighborhood like in terms of the clientele versus what you might find in some of the other neighborhoods of New York?
1: <laughs> the clientele you never know. Uh huh. <laughs> you never know. Uh, this is uh, this is this is a, it's a great part. Um, uh, on, on the floor, at the same time, you can have our neighbors living in the upper side. You uh, have all the business around us. Well, a lot of people from fashion industry, a lot of people from like all these type of brands, a lot of tourists, a lot of tourists, uh, a lot of foodies, a lot of people coming from just like hunting themselves from out of town. They all about us. A lot of people with uh, also uh, careful about their food because now um, a lot of people know about our nutritional concept. So we have a lot of people with allergies and things like that coming to the restaurant. Uh, and so you take everything at the same time and you have a floor. So you don't know where you go. Never. I never had... Yeah, you look at the table, but I, it can be anything at any time. Movie, like movie star, on one side and then you have just like uh, girls from Jersey coming out for a drink on Saturday night and then you have these foodies from Sweden and (laughs) and you have people from French uh, French um, French United Nation coming like everything everything and it's you never know which is awesome (laughs) I really love that you know when you when you work in two or three star Michelin you uh, which I did before you know where you go You know, it's almost safe. You know that the guests that you're going to have are going to be here for the food and for the... Here at the restaurant, they come sometimes just to eat. And they are like, oh, we thought you were Belgian and there is no muscle on the menu. I'm like, no, there is no muscle and we don't have any fries and I'm sorry. (laughs) And you need to adapt. And so it, it kept you very humble, you know, because... Yes, maybe I'm gonna have the most amazing chat at one table with. Let's talk about these Burgundies that we tried in the cooperation between 1994 and 1996 in Chambord and Gevrey. One table and the table next door. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be crushed because they're gonna, they are gonna find Santa Margarita and they we'll click on the list and I'm gonna be, <laughs> they're gonna kill me in front of the guests, and next next table. So, yeah. Keep you on your toes. (laughs) Keep you on your toes.
0: In terms of other neighborhoods in New York, you know, sometimes we hear about uh, kind of a a fascination in Paris with the Brooklyn dining scene. Uh, In your visits back to France, have you noticed that at all? Or is that more like uh, kind of something we hear about here, but it's maybe less evident there?
1: That people are fascinating by what's going on in Brooklyn for the Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, It's starting little by little, uh, I would say, because you have also more French, uh, from more American chef now in Paris, you know, uh-huh. um, like, like Spring, Frenchie, yeah, all those guys. So it's still a very foodie scene. You know, like, um, so the foodies, I'm sure, are talking among themselves about what's going on in Brooklyn, but it's a small percentage of the French population. It's like it's 0.5%. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there is that, but we... I think f- f- people still have a hard time when they've never been to the U.S. when I tell them, you know, what's going on in New York is just incredible. New York is a, is a, is a world capital of food right now for me. So you, you would be extremely impressed. And we are, it's funny, we are, I was talking with like uh, some of my uh, competitors like during the competition and we were working in, in tour of Freestyle Michelin. Okay. And we are talking about the experience in Freestyle's. And they were like, they couldn't believe when I was telling them, you know, you go to some two or three star in New York, you you are going to be extremely surprised by the level of everything. The level of the food, the level of service, the level of, it's, it's really, it's very high. And they couldn't believe it. You know, they were like, yeah, but you know, it's not the same criteria. It's more casual. It's not as, like, it's not as interesting. It's not blah, blah, blah. I was like, I can tell you, come come to New York and you are going to be very amazed um, and very surprised. So it's still a little bit this idea of, yes, yeah, there are things going on here, but it's not at the level that we can do in France. And I don't think it's a case. I don't think it's a case at all. Well, well,
0: I've been very excited to watch what you've done over the last few years. Pascaline Lapeltier sommelier at Rouge de Mont restaurant. Thanks for joining us today.
1: My pleasure, Lévi.
0: Great to have you on the show. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Skella has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website